Welcome back to the Section K Podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 2nd. We sit down with Hall of Fame cutting horse trainer and in-house trainer of the McDavid Ranch, Mr. Clint Allen. Clint shared some of his favorite cutting memories and uh, just kind of filled us in on how he got in into cutting and just told some other great stories about going up and down the road with his, with his cutting horses. So thanks so much to Clint for taking the time and I think this is a great interview that all of you will enjoy. This interview is brought to you by Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals. Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals was founded by Dr. T-Bone Buchanan. His dedication and love for the equine industry has led the practice to develop multiple facilities across Texas, including Navasota, Stephenville, Salado, Cyprus, and internationally in Brazil. As one of the largest practices in the state of Texas, their hospitals feature experts in sports medicine, reproduction, and alternative medicine along with board certified specialists in internal medicine, surgery, critical care, and emergency. At Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals, your horse's health is their passion. With the highest quality care available, their goal is to care for each patient from conception through retirement. As highly trained and dedicated professionals, they are committed to exceeding expectations and to helping each horse reach its full athletic potential. Visit them at bveh.com or on Facebook at Brazos Valley Equine Hospitals. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Section K podcast. Cody and myself, Caden Rutherford, are at the beautiful McDavid Ranch in Hudson Oaks, Texas today. With Mr. Clint Allen. Clint, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good we to have, be here. We have wanted to sit down with you for a while now, especially since you joined us for our live show at this year's Kit Kat Sugar Super Stakes. Um, first, talk a little bit about the McDavid's operation. This place is unbelievable. We're here at the party house and what it's like kind of working for great people who love the sport as much as the McDavid family. Yeah, it's... It's incredible. I mean, the the facility is amazing. Um, as you've seen, I don't have any excuse not to work, not to do good. <laughs> With all the uh, amenities I have at my hands, um, it's a lot of work keeping it all up too. But I mean, it's it's um, it's great. They're great people to work for. They they want me to do good, give me every opportunity to to do good, and you know, don't really have any excuses. And um, they enjoy it, and they enjoy coming to the ranch, and and like showing people around and. David has a story of everything that's in here and in the barn or in the mare barn. You know, there's always a story behind everything. So, but it's uh, it's a beautiful place. Well, with people like that that are so positive about the industry, it's also very easy to work for a group of people like that. David and Stacy have always been trying to help the NCHA. So, I mean that that makes it really a good place to work. So. It is, and they enjoy it. They enjoy the people. Um, I actually had a conversation with David not so long ago um, about friendships and stuff like that, and he's he said, you know, I, I thought there was one point where we really thought about getting out of cutting because we weren't really enjoying it, and he said, then you come along, and we kind of revamped it, and, she, and he said, I got to thinking about my friends, he said, and uh, realized that if I didn't have cutting, I wouldn't have my best friends. He said, all my best friends are in cutting. He said, I have acquaintances outside of cutting. He said, but all my best friends are in cutting. He said, I, I couldn't do without that. He said, so we'll always be in it. You know, and just his outlook and Stacy's outlook, they're competitive, but they they love the business. They love the horses, you know, and it makes it easy because they understand the business too. They've been in it long enough. You know, they they know the highs, they know the lows, and 
um, it makes it a lot easier. Well, just having breeders like that, I think they're invaluable to our association and our industry. I mean, if it weren't for people like them that breed as many mares as they do and, and having as many studs as they, as they've had, I mean, we wouldn't have horses to ride or horses to buy at sales and, and all that stuff. So I think it's just super important to highlight our breeders and especially our big time breeders Mm -hmm. like uh, David and Stacy. I know they love going to shows, good, bad, or ugly. David is smiling, bebopping around the cut and just happy to be there. Like you say, just happy to, happy to be there interacting with his friends and, and hanging out watching his horses show. So with that, um, just kind of coming off the Pacific Coast Open Derby champ on DMAC Dogfather. We've talked a little bit about DMAC Dogfather on our show. You made the Open Futurity Finals on him. And Super the, Stakes and, Finals. And the Open Super Stakes Finals as well. Um, talk a little bit about your win in Vegas. It was a tough cutting. I don't remember seeing uh, aggregate <laughs> scores like that. I've never seen them that high before. I mean, um, unreal. Incredible. And and the judging was good. And I'm not, I know everyone says the cows are good and the judging is good when they win, but – um, the judging was good, and I talked to a few of them after the cut and, and told them how proud I was of what they did. They were consistent all the way through. It wasn't – went to start with, you might, oh, man, they, they market that, they market that, but they did it all the way through. Like, there was no paying more, one guy more or one guy less. I mean, if they, had, if they saw a good run, they marked it, and they gave you an opportunity, if you made a mistake or had a bubble, to still continue showing and, and advancing. I mean, and it took some big scores – I, I didn't show in the five and six year old, thank God, but I mean, it was, I've never seen it that high. And then the four year old was high enough as in itself, but, but it was good. Like everyone was excited. I was excited like to see a good run get marked in the go rounds, you know, and it, it was like, man, this is, it was exciting. Everyone was excited Everybody about was, it. Yeah. I mean, I was sitting here at home watching all the scores on the internet and it was the same thing. I was pumped. I've watched the open, the four year old and the five, six year old finals just waiting to watch a good big yeah. score, you know, and you watch yeah. Casey's run, it's a 230, yeah. and yours is 26. I mean, it's it gets you excited when you know those scores or when you feel like those scores are going to get marked. Well, that and and as a showman, it, it you know, you can have a little bubble in the first go-around or the second go-around and still come and be aggressive, and they, they paid you for it. You know, it's not – and nothing against a lot of the judges, but sometimes they'll cut your head off if you have a, a little rain point or a little miss or something and you can't make up where – um, you know, you could have a little bubble and still be aggressive and know that they're going to mark you. You don't have to, like, halfway give up to, well, they're not going to mark me. But, I mean, it's like, okay, we had a bubble. We're going to, like, two-time yeah. it now. Let's go twice as fast and yeah, see if we, we can, can still make it. This. And and they, they allowed you to do that. And it, I mean, it was exciting to see people just continue showing. You know, it's like, oh, not they're out of the cutting, you know. Yeah. So they kept going. But it, it, was, it was really good. I thought it was – they did an excellent job. So talk a little bit about DMAC Dogfather. What is he? Kind of what, what he's been like to train. Uh, he's a Kit Kat Sugar out of Grace Yellow Duel. We bought from Winston Hansmer in the Western Bloodstock sale as a yearling. Um, I'd seen the video on him as a yearling, and uh, the main reason I, I knew we were going to have to have him because he's a half-brother to D-Mac Snoop Dogg that Stacy and David had owned and Gary Gonzalez trained. They actually bought off Winston and had a lot of success on. So that's how this horse come to get his name. He was named after D- uh, Snoop Dogg's first album. Um, <laughs> I wanted, to, I wanted to call him Dr. Dre, but they wanted to name him that. So, um, But he was, he's was he been a special horse all along. I've really liked him. He's always had a huge stop. Um, and I've talked to Winston about him all through his two-year-old year and three-year-old year, how much I liked him. And I uh, hadn't got him showed in the finals like I wanted to until now. Um, but I've always thought he was a horse that I had a, a shot at winning something on. You know, I was thankful for Lloyd and 
that not showing up out there with little string of good horses too, <laughs> to give you a chance. So. <laughs> well, I know that horse has been on our radar since the fraternity. I, yep. I know, I think, up in Section K at the fraternity, kind of before we got the podcast started, Colburn was all over that horse. Mm-hmm. I remember watching him at the fraternity, and it was just so effortless for him. And it was he was so well-trained and, I mean, just so far along at the fraternity that that was one that I knew – you were bound to do well yeah. on at some point. Yeah, and he's he's a he's a tough little horse. You got to keep your thumb on him. But I mean, he's he just stops so hard. Um, I wish he'd get a little stronger. But I mean, we still got two and a half years of age events left showing him. You know, and it's just it's come together. Hopefully, it stays together for the next you know two and a half years or three years, however long we keep him. But I mean, I think we're gonna have a lot of fun on him anyway. So, so what's your mindset, kind of? After the first go round, you mark a big score, and then going into the second go round, kind of yeah, capitalizing I was a little, I was a little, after that big little score. Nervous, and you had a big score the first go round, and then watching, I was luckily I drew up later in the day, um, and there were some big scores marked, and I was like, okay, we we can get get through a good run, you know, um, we got a shot at making the finals. So first two cows were really good, um, and I'm like still don't need to die in the herd like we still need to go cut so we came out and kind of took a little bit more time cut my third cow but i cut the third cow on the second go around and uh ended up being really good i think we marked 22 or 21 and a half or something in the second go around to make the finals but it, it, i knew i still had to be be aggressive and show but try not to do anything stupid like i normally do and i've got to make a big score <laughs> <laughs> well with that how did you get into cutting um when i was a kid i, I can't remember not being on a horse when I was a kid. Um, I did everything from English riding to Western riding to equitation to showmanship, um, all through the youth, through my young years, um, then worked with thoroughbreds for a while. And then um, Tim McLeod, actually uh, his wife, Julie, we grew up together as kids and uh, they'd got married and come back to New Zealand. And I told Tim, I was like, hey, I'd, you know, I'd like to come to the U.S. And, and work for someone for a year or two just to get some experience. And he's like, well, this guy, Matt Gaines, is looking for someone. And Hell, I didn't know who Matt was, you know, knew who his dad was a little bit, never really knew much about cutting. Um, it's about the only thing I hadn't done on a horse. And uh, so I called Matt and we talked for about a week on the phone and then I sold everything I had and packed my bag and left. Come with a, I had a bag full of clothes and a return ticket. That's all I had, that's all I had left <laughs> to my name. Um, and I just came for a year and here I am 23, 24 years later, still here. <laughs> so, yeah, Matt put me on my first cutting horse, and I fell in love with it, and I worked for him for almost 10 years. Let's just pause for a second and think about whoever it was at the time you were riding horses for, but Matt Gaines and Clint Allen are who was climbing on and off of their horses each and every – I mean, just let that <laughs> soak in for a second. I mean, yep. those are two, I mean, top trainers going right now, and – I mean, are going to be two legends in the sport looking back whenever we're all old men. So that's just, I mean, that's crazy to hear just two guys. Yeah, well, I wasn't Clint Allen back then. I was yeah, that two-year-old I mean, guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just crazy to think about that. It's just, yep, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, I, you know, I credit everything to Matt, you know, for teaching me how to win to train him one, you know. And uh, I was always very open with him in our relationship about – I got a lot of job offers. As, and as I started getting further in my career, you know, and I talked to Matt about it, and I know he, 
he didn't want me to leave, you know, because he had to do more work. But he was always like, hey, look, you know, the money will come. Work hard. It'll it'll come. You know, don't don't go work for this guy. I mean, you're going to be riding these caliber horses where my second string is, is still better than that. And, you know, and it, it finally got to where I had to leave because I got too many clients and, you know, it would, the place didn't fit both of us. So and that's how I ended up. I left there and went to work for Julie Wrigley and um, went on from there. So with that, Matt Gaines, probably your biggest mentor in the sport thus far. I mean, I think everybody will agree that you can, especially in this sport, learn something from just about everybody. Oh, yeah. Whether they help you or sit up in the cow box with you or just talk to you after you walk out of the, out of the arena and they, and they just watched you show. But segueing into working for Julie Wrigley, I think everybody remembers – that big score you marked on special new kitty and that fraternity yeah. um, for her. What's one of your favorite memories in the saddle? I know there's tons, but um, if you had to choose one or two, what would be a couple of your favorite memories showing? Probably two come to mind um, and not put down special new kitty or high drive or anything like that. I remember winning my first aged event on it's just about me um, was the Bonanza <coughs> and uh, Abilene. And uh, I was showing just about me, Winston had CD lights. Matt had, I think, smooth as a cat, and Mr. J. Barcat. Mr. J. Barcat, and um, that was a good set of horses. And I was next to last or deep in them, and I, I won it, and I just, I couldn't believe it with those guys, you know, I'd, that I'd competed against. And I remember we were going out to pick the flag up, Matt and I were, and I was, I had a big smile on my face, and he's like, "Oh, feels good to win, doesn't it?" I never forget that. I never forget that run. Um, that meant a lot to me. And then when I won the BI on Aristocats. Uh, Matt had had hip surgery that year. I took all the horses out, taken all the horses out there, and um, I'll never forget, probably my most proudest moment um, to date was, was that. Um, last in the first bunch, and uh, put up a 25, and then called Matt, and uh, he said they won't catch you. So I remember him telling me how proud he was. That was a big moment for me. That's awesome, man. That's really just cool to hear. I remember that B.I. in Reno um, because I remember the whole storyline. I was a little <laughs> younger, but, like, I remember Matt having to have surgery and, and you taking the horses out there. And I think uh, Tim Smith showed Smooth as a Cat that year maybe mm -hmm. or somewhere around I'd there. actually showed Smooth as a Cat at the, the Derby prior, and that was when the Derby was in Reno, and there was two days before. And then Kyle went in and I flew out there. I th showed Smooth as a Cat at the Derby, and then Tim showed him. At the BI, I believe. No, they didn't have five and six at the BI. Yeah, yeah the, he was, yep. He was five. It was, but I did show him at the Derby, and then I went back out with the other horses. Tim showed him in October yep. of that year, I think. Yeah, we all showed him Paul, and I think Paul was the only one to run him off. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> Throw that in there. Love you, Paul. But, uh, um, yeah, no, that that's my – I mean, those other ones are great too, but that's really what kind of sticks with me. So – Talking about Smooth as a Cat, and it's just about me and, and Aristo Cats. What are some of those horses that, while you worked for Matt, that you got to work or got to be around a lot that you really enjoyed um, oh, man. being around them? And, we had so many over the years. I mean, because I can think of 10 off the top of my yeah. head that were just one over 200. or Yeah, I mean. It, Matt it, won cuttings or you won cuttings on them. It and, was crazy, the amount of horses. Just and it kind of filtered from Bar H, from Paul and Winston being right across the street mm -hmm. to, to our place. You know, they'd win one or we'd win one. It was backwards and forwards. And, I mean, I, we were 
not only the ones we did win on, but the ones we had that were great that didn't make it, that got hurt, you know. Um, we had, like, Cowboy Cadillac, the horse of Jeffrey Matthews, was probably one of the most talented horses I think we had there and ended up hurting his stifle, never really got showed. Um, Aristocats was one we never showed at the Super Stakes. She was crippled every year at the Super Stakes. Um, but little Pepto girl knew I would. Sinet's Dooley, um, even before that. Clay's little kit was a three-year-old when I went to work for Matt. Um, Brando, uh, not Brando Tricks Dooley. Um, there was three mares that all had the same name. They were just spelled different. Hickory mares that were good. I mean, there's Stylabar. I mean, the old ones are some of the ones you'd remember too. But, I, yeah, you couldn't count the amount of great horses. Uh, I mean, I remember one year we had 35 three-year-olds. Man. You know, and I, I'm sure we let some slip, slip through the cracks, you know. But, I mean, it was – it was impressive. It was good to go, and yeah, hell, it was. If he he wasn't going to win. I was going to win, or you know, yeah. <laughs> one of us was. It was. It was great. It was a great time. I remember just growing up and and reading the magazines and waiting for him to come in the mail and seeing a picture of you or or Matt on Sinet's Dooley. That was one of the all time. I remember that run I, forever. I, watching that video, that was that was. I remember run. at the Futurity, um, he showed uh, knew I would. I, I can't remember if he showed knew I would or. Since it's Dilly first that year, and I can't remember who was sitting beside me, and he marked like a twenty-two or something first go around there. Like, wow, I think it must have been uh, since it's Dilly showed first, and then they're like, wow, that's a good horse. I was like, wait until you see the next one. <laughs> the next one, they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, that one's even better, you know. And uh, uh, then he ends up, I think, third on New I Would that year, and then wins this, the Derby and the Super Stakes on each of them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I remember since Dilly, I pulled his shoes off that night. His back shoes got loose right before we went in the arena, and Matt calls us, hey, we need to pull his shoes off. And I was back in the stalls pulling his shoes off before he goes in there to <laughs> mark a 31, I think he worked on, marked on him. Yeah. But yeah, it was a great time. I mean, great experience in my life. So with that, what are some of your favorite memories helping people in the show pen? I think we all know. Or just watching. Yeah, or watching <laughs> too. But. Uh, my favorite memory helping is um, – Actually, two years ago, helping my daughter win her first buckle in Colorado. Um, had to go outside the arena and cry after that one. <laughs> it was uh, pretty touching to me. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I probably one of my, I have two really cool memories of watching people show, and uh, they both involve my old buddy Tag Rice. Uh, the first one was in Abilene after he'd won the Futurity on Chiquita Pistol. Um, I believe Boyd and I can't remember who else was tied for second and we were sitting there and Tag was in the second bunch Boyd's sitting there watching cows because I thought they were going to have a work off well, Tag cuts his first cow it's great cuts his second cow and Boyd gets up and takes his chaps off and he's like it's over you know? <laughs> <laughs> there's going to be no work off and then the other one probably one of the greatest runs I think I've ever seen was when he won the triple crown on Chiquita Pistol I remember Paul and I were standing up on the fence at the back of the arena and he cuts that second cow, and it just gives up. He works it. He can't get by him, and that cow just gave up. And Paul and I both look at each other, and we're like, that cow just gave up. Yeah. And, like, yeah, just sends chills down your spine seeing something like that. One first triple crown I'd ever seen. Um, and that mare was just a freak. And I mean, a freak. Every time I seen her, she was just crazy fast. and um, Stop hard. Yeah. I mean, I We've all seen some great horses, but that's one that I thought was one of the greatest I've ever seen. I've said it, and I'll say it again, but that's the most talked about horse on this show, I feel like. I, I, I don't think there's 
been anyone that's come on this on this show that hasn't mentioned Chiquita Pistol yeah. and just the crazy shit, freaky uh-huh. shit she can do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she stops so hard, so wide, and turns so fast. And I mean, I wanted to be tagged. I, want, <laughs> I remember a few years ago, or many years ago, when I first started showing and tag started helping me and wasn't winning very much. But I remember Tag telling me, and he had Chiquita Pistol. Uh, we were in Nashville, Tennessee. He told me, you need to swing off that saddle horn a little more and let it go. <laughs> Hang it out there a little more. And he told me a few years later, I wish I hadn't told you that now. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite places to go show? Oh, I mean, everyone to say Fort Worth because it, it's so historic. But um, I love showing in Vegas. I mean, even when it was at the old Rock and K, it was still fun to go to Vegas. Um, and even now at the South Point, what an amazing facility show up there unload and never have to leave um but that's that's one of my favorite places and i've always liked augusta too i know it's can be a pain in the butt weather wise sometimes and hauling backwards and forwards but i always liked augusta the people out there are great they pack that place out you know thursday friday saturday night and it was always it's always fun to go back there they put on, I, a, they put on an event there yeah like people come to watch it at yep. the james brown stadium and and they come to enjoy cutting action for yeah. the weekend. And it's yeah, and half of them have no idea what it's nope. about, but they enjoy it. They love watching it and love seeing the horses and they love seeing the cowboys there. You know, and you get people come up asking for your autograph and stuff like that. You know, it's well, it makes sense. I mean, the golf tournament there is a spectacle in and of itself. I mean, it's a sports spectacle. And I mean, it would only make sense that big time cutting horse show or really any event at that in Augusta would obviously be well accepted yeah. by the people and, one time, and it used to be one time like one of the premier events to go to you know um i remember when i first came over everyone was talking about you know who, who won augusta or that was one of the ones to win mm-hmm. you know and they put your face up on the billboard and, and the first, i was lucky enough the first year i went there i won it and i couldn't wait to get back there next year to see my my billboard up there you know? <laughs> <laughs> i was like i have the billboard actually i had when they took it down i had them send it to me that's sweet phil and marianne they had each one uh each of them had one of theirs from one of their many wins over there in uh-huh. Augusta too so it was always cool to find them in the shed where they yeah the storage shed hopefully one day I got my own place where I can put it up in my I'm arena, surprised but... it's not one of the signs in the arena <laughs> yeah, it's too big <laughs> yeah there was a handful of of just I saw some Marlboro signs couple light up cool signs in the arena yeah Pontiac, David, Cadillac. David loves yeah. his neon signs yeah they just got a story for every one of them got a pretty sweet little collection of stuff down there it's pretty fun to check out this interview of the Section K podcast is brought to you by Dennis Moreland Tack. Tack handcrafted by Cowboys for Cowboys. For 43 years and counting since 1976, Dennis has built high-quality tack for training, working, and showing. Get the best. Get your tack at Dennis Moreland Tack. Visit www.dmtack.com. Um, what are what are some of your favorite meals when you're at a show? Oh man. It depends where you are. Um, Vegas, there's so many good places. Mr. Chow's, of course, when Cookie does good, Michael's is always really good. <laughs> um, so you guys went there a couple of times at Vegas then? I went there once. I went there once. Yeah, I was trying to get Cookie to get us breakfast, lunch, and dinner for as good as he did out there. <laughs> yeah, you know, no but <laughs> He said, whatever you want, buddy. But thank you, Mr. Michael, for that. That was great. Um, but, uh, Fort, you know, Fort Worth, I'm a foodie. I like, I like good food. Like, I like going in my – one of my favorite things to do is go find a good restaurant and sit and people watch and like, it doesn't matter what it is. I'll, I'll eat pretty much anything. Um, but yeah. Uh, so if you're going to have a nice dinner in Fort Worth, where are you going? 
Um, Del Frisco's probably my one of my favorites. Um, Solid every time. Yep, every time. Uh, Grace, you know, just down the street yep. from there is good. Yep. Eddie V's is always a fun place to go. And there's some little beaten off the off the beaten path places too. But uh, just uh, there's so many good places in Fort Worth now, down Seventh Street and everywhere. Well, I just you checked go. out that new Fix place, and it's unreal too. It's in that new Clear Fork. No free ads. Oh but yeah, there's really good. There's place. some good restaurants over there too. That B and B Butchers. Yeah, that place is really good. Really good. I had an exceptional cut of meat there the other night too. So. No free ads here on Section Day Podcast. <laughs> Promise we didn't get paid yeah. by any of those places to in- endorse. But go have a good meal. But go have a good meal there. We, <laughs> we we highly recommend everyone getting good meals, drinking plenty of water at this year's NCHA Summer Cutting Spectacular because I guarantee <laughs> it's going to be a hot one. Um, talk a little bit about shifting gears here. Um, what's it like for those of you that don't know, Clint kind of, Jumped into the cow horse game here this last two years. Yeah, two years or so. Um, what's it been like kind of shifting gears into the cow horse life and preparing cow horses for cow horse shows and then kind of switching your mindset into cutting mode? Yeah, it's it's been a very good learning experience. Um, and it's it's really kind of revived me a little bit on – on a few things, but something I always wanted to do and never really had time to do it. Um, and then McDavid's give me the opportunity to do it. And we'd send a horse to Cora Cushion and become friends with him. And uh, I'd known Todd Bergen for a long time and um, never really helped me a lot uh, with Chris Dawson as well and Sarah. And I actually bought a horse off them for myself to show at last year's fraternity. And I started training it myself. And um, it's been a very humbling experience um you know being uh good in the cutting pen and then going to the cow horse deal and having someone give you lessons yelling at you across the arena like you feel like you're an amateur it was very humbling we bunched (laughs) all these uh you know really good cow horse guys but it's you know something you got to go through you want to be good you got and i'm still learning i mean i feel like my horse this year is way better than last year um but there's so much to learn it's it's really, I think, helped my cutters get them more broke, and um, I'd forgotten a lot of the stuff about the rein in and and that, and um, what to do with the horses, and you know, it's it's really helped my riding. It's helped my horses, um, and as far as preparing them, it, there's no shortcuts in the rain cow. You got to do it yourself. You can't just put someone on there to go loop circles for you. I mean, you've got to do it. You got to know what their quirks are, what they feel like, get them soft. Um, there's yeah, there's just no way around it. I mean, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but it's I enjoy it a lot. What was it like spending as much time as you have spent around someone like Corey Cushing? Oh man, they're probably there's some great horsemen in the cutting too. But uh, Corey and and Kelby Phillips and um, Todd Bergen are probably some of the best horsemen I've ever seen in my life. Um, Todd's amazing. He and so is Corey. I mean they. And, and so is Kelby as well. They're, they're just the way they think about and go about training and and uh, problems with horses and and how to fix it and how to prevent it and how to make it better is is refreshing to me. Um, but and they put a lot of time into it. And they're just, I mean, unbelievably talented horsemen just to watch them no matter what they're doing, whether they're working a cutting horse or reining horse or cow horse or, or anything. That's it's 
it's impressive to watch them you know a lot of those guys and some of the, i'm getting to know some of the other guys more too and there there's some real cowboys in there real like horsemen cowboys some of the older guys that's fun to watch um when you get to see them at the shows and the guys i've seen for years in Horse news and and um now i get to see them at the show it's like wow these and these guys are great you know and and the, that whole industry has been so accepting of me of the first show i went to i get probably within the first 24 hours everyone had come up and introduced themselves to me and made me feel really welcome and you know they they encourage each other so much as we we do but they uh they're they're a great bunch of guys and they work hard they, they we think cutting's hard you go to a cow horse show with 10 cow horses it's hard enough with one or two that i take but i Corey will take you know 10 horses and he's up all night and he's up all day showing it, i don't know how they how they do it but on average how long does it take to ride one working cow horse for like the day like how long does that work take for the day well if you're talking about the yellow one i had last year it was a lot but but no um i would say on average if you had to average it out probably five to six cutters to one cow horse wow yeah wow yeah to do it good i mean and when you're cutting on the cow horses i mean it doesn't take as long because someone else can trot them around and warm them up but when you're doing the raining part of it or the fence work part of it the raining takes a lot especially for me because i'm still learning a lot of it myself um but it's it's to me the raining's so technical um you know it's it's half plus here or half minus here or one here and then we're in cutting you can get away with a few little things you know we're in the rain and everything is so precise because it's just you and the horse you don't have a cow in there with you and, and you're the only thing that's going on in there right <laughs> that's in the right whole arena. yeah and then you train them to do what you want them to do and then you got to untrain them to you know to stop cheating what you just train them to do <laughs> yeah. they find a way to get around it but it and it's it's an amazing feeling like it just um i know i've had this conversation before about you going to fort worth and the will rogers on uh futurity finals night and that's an amazing feeling to show in there but you go in there on snap of it finals night and it's a totally different feeling walking in that arena and there's no judges stands in there it's wide open you're like damn this is big yeah. i did the same thing in vegas the first show i went into i rode in there that first morning to do some rain and practice and i was like this arena is a lot bigger without these judges stands in here. You know? We cut off half of it. Well, Clint, thanks so much for taking the time and having us out to the beautiful McDavid Ranch out here in Hudson Oaks. We cannot thank you enough for your time and just sitting down with us. So thanks so much. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And thank you guys for what you do. It's uh, entertaining. And it's uh, really good to listen to your podcast and get different people's perspective on it. I think you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Thanks, brother. We can't wait to Thank see you. you at our next live show next time. I can't finals. wait to be there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you. Thanks, man. Thanks. What a great interview with Clint Allen. Cannot thank him enough for having us out to the beautiful McDavid Ranch in Hudson Oaks. Um, Colburn, what were your thoughts kind of on the interview? Yeah, so Clint, just one thing I would like to, to add to it is in 2011, he won $528,000 and was the Equistat Rider of the Year. And that that in itself is a crazy number to think about on uh, how much someone can win in a year. And I believe in that same year, he went over to Australia and showed in the Australian fraternity, and I believe he won it that year too. But that also maybe needs some fact-checking too. But 
uh you know i have only known clint for not too long obviously known known who he is but when i was working for tatum and we went on the fall run i was around clint quite a bit and got to know him a little bit but it wasn't till at the cotton stakes last year i went to that show to help colin chartier and i was loping a horse around and i think colin was about to show or something and clint was standing beside me and he i we just kind of had a i don't even know if he even remembers this conversation but uh i just kind of was asking about when he got started into it and and like he said uh in the interview is you know he it's it's just a story that young aspiring trainers assistant trainers uh can really look at because he worked for matt Gaines for nearly 10 years and uh stuck with one program and uh i asked him how much money he had won when he left matt's and he had won over a million dollars already and that's that's even crazy to to think that he stayed that long after he had won that much money and uh but what that conversation i had with him at the cotton stakes is um uh it was just really cool to hear and it just i think it can hearing that story from him for me it just stick with where you're at and where you feel comfortable because you can get a lot of good done being at a place that you feel wanted or you want to be there. Amen. Amen to that. Yeah, I thought Clint was a great interview. I've obviously known him from afar as well and watched him show countless different horses and countless different finals. But it was super cool to go over and just kind of sit down and chill with him and just kind of hear him open up about some of his favorite memories and working for Matt Gaines because I didn't even really know that he was there as long as he was and like you said just sticking with a program and somewhere you know you feel like you belong is super important and I feel like somebody can learn something from from that for sure so I definitely uh that is one interview that I definitely wish that uh I was able to be a part of because I mean Clint Clint Allen is a well-known cutting horse trainer not just a showman he's just one of those guys that everybody knows that that he gets the job done training horses. Oh, yeah. He's just a great, great horseman overall. I also wanted to take this time to give a special shout-out to the Big Country Cutting Horse Association. Out in Sweetwater, they held a big four-day weekend show. Um, our crew, Porterfield Performance Horses, went out there, uh, took a trailer load, and they tried something new out here kind of for the Texas folks, but it's not very uncommon for Cody and kind of where he grew up but they were running two pins simultaneously or not really simultaneously you can kind of say that but they were settling in one and shown in the other and vice versa and I thought it was super productive and made the day go by extremely fast the one day that I was over there on Thursday I think they had worked seven sets of cattle before like three o'clock which at a weekend show is super awesome and I think super important to just keep things running as smooth as possible. And so I just wanted to take this time to shout out everyone over at the Big Country Cutting Horse Association out in Sweetwater for putting on a great show. I know the the awards for the circuit were great saddles from South Texas Tech, and there was tons of – there was a rope-in on Friday night. They had pool and, and, and activities for the kids that weren't showing. So 
I thought it was great that uh, they put on a great another great show out at Sweetwater and with the two pin system rolling, it was it was super cool. Cody, what do you think about the two pin system? Well, I grew up on that system. We we have done it forever out on the West Coast. Um, it was kind of funny to me when you come out here to Texas and go to the weekend cuttings and they only have one pin because um, we had two pins at pretty much every cutting we went to whether it was in Oregon down in Arizona California and Bakersfield everywhere so um those are part of my thoughts that I think it's funny that Caden thinks it's so new but the other part is I think it's (laughs) I think it's um awesome that these cuttings out here in Texas are trying it because one of the biggest problems that we've seen with the weekend cutting and their decline is they're so late at night and it starts with the age event cut classes and then moves into the weekend classes. Well, at that point, nobody wants to cut at 2 a.m. And, and if this is something that other cuttings can do, weekend cuttings around here can do, and there is two pins and it does make it go faster and it gets more people there, then I think it's awesome. And I'm glad that they're trying. I know Hamilton's done it before and there's some other cuttings around here that have done it, but, it's not a popular thing, and most of the places we go, I feel like have enough room that two arenas could be ran. So it was, uh, it's pretty cool though. Makes it go by quicker, but it's a little more hectic sometimes. Yeah, on timing. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was very, very productive to just not make people be two places at once. They had one pin, cattle settled and ready to go when the other one finished. So. There was just no downtime, so that could be really the just one negative side. Is there's really no no time for the guys that are helping nonstop to really catch their catch their breath or catch a meal or anything of that sort. So, big shout out, Big Country Cutting Horse Association in Sweetwater, Texas. Well, that's gonna do it for today's episode of the Section K podcast. Be sure and give us a follow on Facebook. Shoot us an email, Section K Pod at gmail.com or slide into our Instagram DMs section K podcast on the Instagram. Um, If you think of anything we need to cover or anyone you'd like to see interviewed during the summer cut spectacular coming up, be sure and uh, send us a message or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be seeing y'all down the road. Adios. Bye. Till I got a guitar and learned to play We went from kick the can and hide and seek To sneaking out windows in the middle of the week Meeting up with girls and running off into the night Back when risk was new and life was a joke And the secrets we shared through the cigarette smoke We were all young 
love with no end in sight And those days they're gone for good But this town it stays the same We'd all go back if we could When we all had our youth to blame That's why smiles on my face So every time I hit San Antonio It's safe to say when we're old and gray This is the place we'll still call home Where I fell in love with my best friend's sister Both worth the risk but only had time for one to spare So I wound up drunk by the age of 13 She fell in love and became the homecoming queen She still comes in town though when the rodeo's on the air The time of year when cowgirls are running all over town And we throw on our hats and fill our flasks with crown Pile up in a truck and pray to God we make it there Then it's springtime fiesta tradition As we watch the parades pass by the old mission We might forget the nights But we'll always remember the Alamo And those days they're gone for good But this town it stays the same We'd all go back if we could When we all had our youth to blame That's why smiles on my face Every time I hit San Antonio It's safe to say when we're old and gray This is the place we'll still call home And I still look forward to the holidays Seeing friends down at old Bombay's Sharing laughs and drinks until last call And me, I'll cherish every one of those nights Like a December stroll beneath the Riverwalk lights Something so good you wouldn't change a thing at all So the leaves will fall and fade with the years And I'm sure there will be more smiles and tears But we'll carry each other though when the weather gets bad And the echoes of our times will ring through this town And this is where you'll find me when I'm in the ground That's the reason it makes me so glad to say Yeah, those days, they're gone for good But these friendships, they remain We'd all go back if we could And I doubt we'd even change a thing So I smiles on my face Every time I hit San Antonio And it's safe to say when we're old and gray This is the place we'll still call home (laughs) 